What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily represent those of any organization including one generation away. America is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. The demise of the 45th president's chances of becoming the 47th appear to have been greatly exaggerated. Despite column inches proclaiming the end of Donald Trump's political ambition, the polling says otherwise. But perhaps this long-shot underdog status is precisely what the Donald has been seeking all along. Welcome to Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio America Network. I'm your host, Mark Angelides. On today's show, we're asking why the fourth estate is now ignoring polling on the 2024 presidential outlook, how California seeks to suck in tax dollars from those who have already fled the state and examine the state of play for the Second Amendment. I want to take a moment to say a special thank you to our listeners out in Hastings, Michigan on WBCH 1220 AM and 93.1 FM. Thank you for being here. Remember, this show is proudly sponsored by LibertyNation.com, where you can access podcasts, breaking news, analysis, and a range of biting and brilliant shows to whet your appetite for freedom and your fondness for the great American Constitution. To watch the legacy media, you might assume that the political career of former President Donald Trump is a done turkey. He's vilified, he's ridiculed, and he's deemed yesterday's man by the collective fourth estate. But it seems the general public wholeheartedly disagrees. What are the 45th president's prospects heading into 2024? Well, we're fortunate to have with us Liberty Nation's editor-in-chief, Lisa K. Donner, to answer just that question. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. I trust you're well and have your mental shield against propaganda in place. It's good to be here. And I have not heard the phrase a well done turkey before. That's very <laughs> it's, uh, it's because we eat turkeys on other days of the year, other than the last Thursday in November. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a Brit thing. I know it is. Okay, much. Absolutely. Although goose is my, my preferred uh, festive season bird. All I can say is that you people over there on the other side of the pond eat weird things. That's all we, I can say. You, you know, middle America, uh, those who uh, trap squirrels for, for dinner may disagree. So, Lisa, you wrote a, a recent article on LibertyNation.com where you detailed the, the reality of Donald Trump's position uh, in the 2024 primary race and the presidential competition. What do the numbers tell us? Well, the numbers are really staggering, and this is just a moment in time, and it is early, these are early days. But if you take a look at real clear politics, it is Trump's world, and we're all just mm. circling around his orbit, uh, which is really shocking when you think about all that uh, the Democrats have done to try to take him out. And so um, when I pulled up RCP this week, I was just blown away. It was column after column after column of polls showing that Donald Trump 
is ahead in the GOP nomination process, but also uh, he's ahead uh, when it comes to head to head against Biden. So, I mean, the, the numbers, as you point out, they are looking great for Trump. The aggregate uh, figure is all Trump. It's all Trump all the time. So why then is the legacy media reporting him as a dead ex-president walking? Well, the legacy media is really the advocacy media for the Democratic Party, as we well know. But um, if you look at the new Harvard-Harris poll out this week, uh, 45 is the clear favorite. They, you know, at the bottom you have Pompeo, Scott, Cruz. Then moving up you have Nikki Haley, Marco Rubio. But that's at one and three percent. Then you come to the big seven percent with Mike Pence, and finally you come to uh, Ron DeSantis, who isn't announced in the race yet, um, and he he polls at twenty eight percent. But Trump is polling at 48%. So, you know, people might be talking DeSantis or mumbling DeSantis, but when it comes to saying in the polls who they want to vote for, it's Donald Trump. I mean, that that's, that, that's going to be shocking to people who rely on their news from, as you say, these advocacy media outlets who... Uh, deride Donald Trump and his prospects on a on a daily basis. I mean, he, he dominates every front page still. Well, let's take a look at the media for a second here. Even the friendly media to Donald Trump, which was the last time around the, the uh, New York Post and the uh, Fox News, they they're pretty much finished with Trump. And I think he's finished with them as well. So that's interesting. He doesn't really seem to have any media out there that is willing to talk about him, not to mention that he's not on Twitter. Yeah, you'd think, I mean, Donald Trump really is uh, an expert at using the media. And, and I wonder if, uh, as the, the particularly the, the Republican primary goes on, what he's going to do to, to drag the media into his orbit. And my guess would be it's more of the bombastic Donald Trump that we saw in 2016, who essentially grabbed the media by its collective lapels and shook them until it could, until it cried uncle, I guess is the, uh, the American term. Well, this is the funny thing. They're doing their damnedest to ignore him. But yeah. the truth of the matter is the media was doing much better with Donald Trump around. I mean, their numbers, their figures, their profit margins, he's he's good for all of them. And he, he knows that. But, you know, what they're trying to do, what, what the media does best, I think, is they they agree with one another very well. So the big corporate media in Washington, D.C., the famous Washington Daily, uh, talked about Trump, the Trump team trying to consolidate support for a new uh, South Carolina event which will probably uh, happen before this show runs. But anyway, the Ro Rolling Stone magazine picked it up and said, so sad, Trump is having, you know, very little response from politicos coming to his rally. And, you know, my response to that is, well, I don't think he really cares that much about the politicos. I think he cares about whether the people are going to show up. And by Joe, I'm sure they will.
Yeah, I mean, he, he can draw a crowd literally like nobody else. It's funny that you mentioned that uh, they say, Rolling Stone says that he has trouble bringing in high-level politicos to stand with him on stage, where they, they, the same outlets don't mention that Joe Biden can't get people in his own party as president of the United States to turn up at events that benefit their states. Well, but Joe Biden couldn't get regular Americans to come to his rallies. I remember the one in Pittsburgh. It was like six people in sitting inside circles for COVID. But you got the sense that, you know, there wasn't a lot of people beating down the door trying to get in. Yeah. Um, let's jump back to those polls that you, you talked about, because obviously over the last few years, polling's had a tough time. Either they've been right and then they've been derided for being right, or they've been wrong, and then they've been derided for being wrong. Why should we believe the latest collection of polls that indicates Donald Trump is ahead in both the Republican primary and the presidential? Okay, because this is such a wipeout, Mark. When you go and you look at all the polls, it's poll after poll after poll. It's Trump by 13, Trump plus 17, Trump plus 20, Trump plus eight. You know, uh, every single poll in the nation can't be wrong. Yeah, true enough. Although uh, they can be twisted by the aforementioned advocacy media. We we both remember uh, Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump back in the day. And I, I remember so many of my let's call them more left-leaning colleagues saying, you just look at the poll numbers. Hillary Clinton is going to wipe the floor with Donald Trump. And what none of them did was dig into the crosstabs. And it wasn't until I showed them the crosstabs, the overrepresentation of Democrats, the, the skewing of questions, that they started, it started to create a small chink in the armor. And then the, I... I'm not, as as Lisa, you know me well, I'm not one to gloat over such things. But uh, on election day, when Donald Trump uh, thwarted Hillary Clinton, uh, you can bet I was having a good grin to my colleagues on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, this is in no way an endorsement of Trump. This is just an obs- observation. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't miss it. And, and no president in modern times has been elected without at least some support of the news industry. So, um, you know, but he's not he's not one to easily quit. And so if the polls demonstrate anything, it's that it, it, at this moment in time, he's got the wind at his back. Yeah, I think that's uh, warmly demonstrated by both the polls and the betting odds. Now, we're talking with Liberty Nation's editor-in-chief, uh, Lisa K. Donner. Later in the show, we'll be discussing the ever-reaching tax claw of California and the latest news on the Second Amendment. But up next, we're back with Lisa on Joe Biden's most recent trials and tribulations. Don't go anywhere. For your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. And we're back with Liberty Nation's Editor-in-Chief, Lisa K. Donner. Earlier, we discussed how the polling very much favors President Donald Trump in a potential run against Joe Biden. But is that because Trump has some real diehard supporters that just won't quit? Or is it more to do with the ever-increasing pool of disasters that are currently soaking the current president's trouser legs? Lisa, as someone uh, as devoted to political analysis as you, how do you see Joe Biden's stock right now? Well, I think both of those uh, have a play in what's going on right now. 
Uh, he's going through a rough patch with these classified documents. But now, of course, Pence has come up with the classified documents. And by the way, if our listeners haven't read your article on... It's yeah. too Spartacus. Right, it's too Spartacus. <laughs> they really do need to read it because it's a terrific article. But, um, you know, these classified documents have been dogging him, and, you know, it's getting to be ridiculous. I mean, they're finding them everywhere but his sock drawer. And that's causing problems, not to mention the fact that Ron Klain, his chief of staff, is leaving. Now, normally a chief of staff sticks around for two years, four years at the most. But he he is supposedly to announce his candidacy around the State of the Union. And, um, you know, if he does that, he's going to have to do that with a new chief of staff. And that seems kind of odd. Well, uh, the person who's been uh, losing so many staff members is Kamala Harris. And while Biden has managed to retain much of his staff for the first two years, uh, it seems that, that the Harris's team destruction was really uh, caused by her own inability to to read the scripts that they've put in front of her and to wander off into inane word salads that just really made her team look bad and, uh, of course, hurts their future career prospects because who, who wants on their resume? Oh, it was a speechwriter for Kamala Harris. The kiss of death. Now, Joe Biden, the back to the man himself, uh, after the midterms, he really was, he really appeared to be Mr. Untouchable. I mean, he'd fended off the insurgent GOP and blunted what many had anticipated to be the red wave. Though, of course, that didn't materialize. Uh, and just a couple of months down the line, he's a persona non grata, right? Right. Well, what we learned from this last election was that uh, you don't really have to be qualified to to be in office any longer in the United States of America. We know this because John Fetterman was elected to the United States Senate from the Keystone State, the great state of, or the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You know, if Fetterman can be elected, and this is a guy who really has some serious health challenges, then, you know, I think it's open season for Joe Biden. I think what's happening is we've become so divisive in our politics. What's happening is that people are just voting for somebody with a D or somebody with an R next to their name. So if Joe Biden happens to be that person, do you think he'll get the full throat support of his party? Yeah, I think he will. I think he will get the full full throated support because who else is there? Give me a name, Mark. Well, you know, I'm actually going to uh, choose the name that your your husband, Tim Donner, our senior political analyst, often cites. And I'm going to say that it's Gavin Newsom. I, I, I think he will. I, sure. Now, Newsom has uh, pointed out that, that he wouldn't run against Joe Biden. But are all the, the scandals and the problems and the issues that uh, have faced Joe Biden. Remember, it's not just the recent things with Ron Klain leaving. It's not just the recent documents. It's the Afghanistan withdrawal. It's gas five to seven dollars across the nation. It's inflation running at over eight percent. And all these things kind of add up. And to me, it seems that they've tarnished Joe Biden um, more so than he could ever do himself. The, the scandals have uh, and issues have tarnished what could have been quite a clean run. If he'd have done nothing and just stayed in his basement, maybe the country would be better off and maybe his electoral prospects would have been better. 
But I don't think that he's actually going to stick it out for 2024. And I reckon that Gavin Newsom is going to jump into the fray. Yeah, remember something. We we all thought uh, that all these issues, the price of eggs, the price of bacon, the price of gas, uh, the Afghanistan, we thought that was really going to make a difference in the midterms. And the Republicans barely squeaked by uh, with with the House and didn't get the Senate. And, and, you know, whether some people are blaming that on the candidates and Trump or whatever, but for whatever reason, you know, it wasn't a strong showing by the Republicans. So you have to really wonder how much people are voting the economy, which they normally do. Uh, there was word that they were voting abortion, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. Uh, I just think that it's possible that what's happening is that the Republicans are voting one way. They go to the polls on Election Day and Democrats vote another way. They like to vote by mail. And so it's just as simple as that. And I've got one more question for you about Joe Biden. And I do want to quite dig into this. What do you think that he's going to be presenting as the reason for people to vote for him? And the reason I ask you this is uh, if you consider what he campaigned on back in uh, 2020, uh, and, and that was specifically President Donald Trump has the blood of all of these COVID victims on his hands. Uh, and he said, anybody with this many deaths on the hand is not fit to be president. And then, of course, since Joe Biden took office, there have been more deaths right. than when Donald Trump was in office. And I, I think the COVID uh, pandemic w- was really the defining point. I mean, it, it cut Trump's presidency short by one year. Uh, and I think without that, Donald Trump would have easily won the next one. So what does Joe Biden do? now that he doesn't have COVID to blame on Donald Trump? Well, he's going to say that, uh, you know, co- he he defeated COVID. He got everyone vaccinated. Um, he's going to say that uh, gas prices are stable now. and <laughs> Stable at uh, twice the, the, the amount they were when he came into office, sure, but yeah, stable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the White House has been doing quite a, a, an effective job of spinning. Plus, they have the, uh, you know, media, the legacy media as well on their side. So I think they'll continue on beating that drum and talk about what they believe to be Joe Biden's successes, which I think are going to be even more difficult to discuss now that the Republicans have the House, because there's going to be a lot of investigating going on. And that's something that we uh, in the in the news business can always look forward to. Lisa K. Donna, thank you ever so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Good to be with you. Coming up later in the show, we talk liberty on the Second Amendment. But after this short break, there's no escape from Californian taxes. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear. 
for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. As infamous fictional godfather Michael Corleone was wont to say, I try to get out and they pull me back in. A feeling that golden staters must be experiencing themselves as California attempts to tax those who have fled the West Coast. But can this be real? Are business owners and taxpayers really going to be on the hook for cash long after they've left? Well, to help us fathom the depths and the implications of this grand tax grab, we're joined by economist and author, Mr. Andrew Moran. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Thank you for having me. So, Andrew, uh, noted attorney and writer Jonathan Turley, he likened it to the classic Eagle song, the Hotel California, as in you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Is he right? Well, first, uh, I would just uh, like to say that uh, this is in the best uh, interest of Gavin Nation. Gavin Nation. (laughs) It's not the best interest of anybody. I mean, this whole plan is just it's 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 baffling. I mean, I I guess they're following the model of the federal government where because the federal government has an expatriation tax whereby Mm. if you if you renounce your citizenship, you have to pay a tax. Overall, I mean, this is a bad idea. I think I mean, the main headline grabber is that if you leave the state you're going to be taxed in perpetuity but i think the real headline is that not only is it this it's a one and a half percent tax on, the, on a worldwide net worth of above one billion as of next year and actually the threshold goes down to 50 million uh in 2026 and you and i discussed this i think a year ago on uh, on this program about when the biden democrats wanted to impose a wealth tax and we warned that yeah well first is a billion and then it's going to be 100 million, then 50 million, then yada, yada, yada. So I think that's the real headline grabber because I think the whole exit tax, there's no legality behind it, which I've seen many reports agreeing with that. Yeah. So it, it seems that uh, the idea that it, it behind it is, is that uh, a business perhaps made their wealth within the borders of the golden state and therefore they owe money on that. But that's not specifically what this is looking at, is it? This is looking at a worldwide, uh, let's call it an equity tax. So this is all of your assets worldwide, whether they were created in California. So simply by, by the virtue of having lived in California or operated a business in California, you then become liable for the entirety of your wealth. So tell me, what do you think this will do to uh, businesses that are looking to relocate, as many have, especially tech companies uh, out of California, or businesses that initially, before this latest news, would perhaps want to go to California to access the admittedly big uh, wealth pool of talent there. Okay, so a couple of things. First, that this whole this this whole uh, net worth tax it applies to everything you have. So if you own art, that gets applied to it. If you own stock, that's gets applied to it. But with this whole tax, I think it more applies to the individual as opposed to a corporation. From the reports I have seen, uh, so if I if I as you know Andrew Ren want to go from San Francisco to Texas, my my net worth is going to be taxed regardless. But if I'm a business, I'm not or a corporation, I'm not necessarily sure if that's going to be applied. Okay. That ta- I'm going to be taxed in that regard. Let's say you know Elon Musk, he went from California to Texas. I don't know if he would be, uh, 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 his company would be, would be the text. So as long as you don't spend any of the money you make as a business proprietor and ever, you're in the clear, correct? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, if you're an individual and you made a billion dollars, then of course you're going to be taxed in that regard. And I also right. think the issue with that also moving forward is that they say they want to apply this tax so they can fill this whole budget shortfall. I think the number is 222 uh, billion. Uh, 20, the tax generates $22 billion in revenue and the average budget shortfall about $26 billion. The sponsor of this bill say that if they ra- if they apply this tax, they raise that revenue, they can fill that hole. But what about moving forward? I mean, is this going to be a perpetual tax that constantly bails out reckless spending of, of Gavin Newsom and the Democratic legislator? I guess that's going to be the moving forward. And then other states are going to follow the same model as they have. Massachusetts done it. New York's done it. So many places have applied the wealth tax and it never works. It's, it's a failure of economics. So is it your belief, and obviously we don't have this yet, but it does seem to be the way that, uh, that there's nothing, what is it? There's nothing more uh, permanent than a temporary government scheme. Uh, but you believe that although it's listed as a billionaire tax at the moment, at some point this will come down to those who perhaps have assets to the value of $1 million, which if you own a house in California, uh, maybe your assets are approaching that, right? You think it will come down and it will start taxing people at that level? Well, yeah, it already has. It was it, 2026 is going to be 50, it goes from a billion to $50 million. So, yeah, of course, it's, that's going to happen. But of course, there's so many con- uh, unintended consequences of a policy like that. You're going to have issues where there may be less investment or there may be, you know, uh, an individual may, you know, buy less of, you know, extravagant art. So, there's, there's going to be an economic penalty on the, on a broader scale if you apply a wealth tax. And many, many, many jurisdictions have tried with, let's say, a millionaire's tax. And, but they never, of course, they never posed the exit tax, but they try the millionaire tax, let's say Baltimore. And what happened? People fled. People fled the city. People fled Maryland. And then, of course, right away what happens, <laughs> you have less revenue, less economic growth, and you have you know, the of the city like uh, Maryland or Baltimore. Uh, so we, we often hear how California is the, I think it's the seventh largest economy in the world, which is uh, one of the selling points that those who support Gavin Newsom uh, toppling Joe Biden, although he has said that he won't uh, challenge uh, Mr. Biden for the presidency in 2024. Uh, We hear that he's managed the seventh largest economy in the world, and therefore he has the ability to manage the American economy. But it's billions of dollars in debt, right? And I mean, like all major economies, it seems that California's uh, wealth is actually debt driven, right? Or have I got this wrong? Well, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But that's the <laughs> that's the mechanism of the United States economy. Everything is debt driven. Everything's a Ponzi scheme. Everything is debt on debt. So I can't necessarily fault him for having this uh, this this uh, this conceit that he can manage the U.S. economy. Although I can't say that term managing U.S. economy because you shouldn't be managing any economy. That's up to the free market and private and pri- private sector uh, system. So uh, I mean, I, I can't blame him for thinking that. And also, one one thing that is also noteworthy is that you know he, he, if he's so proud of the U.S. if the if he's so proud of the California economy, why are people fleeing that state in droves? Why is there such a, a massive population exodus and everyone's going to red states, Republican-led states? And I think that's also, if he did run for president, I'm sure many people would point to that fact. Yeah, it's, it's something happening. Uh, California and New York, notably, are the, the two uh, bluest uh, bastions of, of progressive thought, and they're also the place that are losing the most people. Um, now, you and I had a chat the other day about a $1 trillion coin. Tell me more, Andrew. 
Oh, boy. Okay. So this thing has been going on for a long time. And Paul Krugman was one of the early brainchilds of this idea of actually the, one of the debt ceiling crises in 2011 or 2013. But anyway, so, so now the U.S. is going through the whole debt ceiling battle again. And there's reports surfacing that some administration officials and many Democratic lawmakers and econ- some left-leaning economists say that the U.S. should, should mint a $1 trillion coin. Now, listen to that. So the premise is the, the Treasury creates uh, a $1 trillion coin coin it deposits it at its bank account at the federal reserve and then it withdraws from that one trillion dollar bank account to help cover its obligations that's the whole premise of a one trillion dollar coin and if it happens i hope not i mean even jay yellen says it's not going to happen and it's a gimmick and the fed may not even accept it isn't it essentially just quantitative easing by another name Yes, it would be. And the problem with the whole the, the problem with the one trillion dollar coin too is that it's it, it's not actually worth one trillion dollars. I mean, it's not it's not it's not a trillion dollars worth of of, of, a, of platinum. It's just you print this coin has a face value of a trillion dollars, and then you pump it into the, into the you put it into the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve would actually have to buy or uh, yeah buy this one trillion dollars and then print all this money and then inject it back into the economy. So yes, yeah, so you're exactly absolutely right that this is quantitative easing and it is inflationary. Okay, so give us your prognosis for California. What's it going to look like in the next couple of years? Well, uh, I hope that uh, we can apply this these uh, excellent uh, tax policies that I think will lead to ap- absolute destruction uh, for California. But I think that uh, we have Gavination that could benefit the world. Right, uh, that was Andrew Moran's world-famous now Gavin Newsom impersonation, uh, one that uh, I don't echoes up there with his Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Andrew Moran, thanks ever so much for keeping uh, keeping us informed on the state of California, and uh, we'll keep our, our listeners informed to what happens next. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. After this short break, we'll be right back talking liberty with Scott D. Casenza on the present state of the Second Amendment. Don't go anywhere. For your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. Night and day, light and dark, good and evil. Just three examples of endless struggles. And it seems that we can add just one more to that list. Gun control. Uh, Once again, the Second Amendment has become the focal point of national and media angst. But what's the latest news and does it bode well for those intent on exercising their rights? Well, we're fortunate to have Liberty Nation Legal Affairs editor and host of the Excellent Uprising podcast, also a man knowledgeable on all things gun, purely through uh, speculation and reading, though, as I'm sure, Scott, you'll... uh, if you want to admit, welcome back, Scott Casenza. Thanks for being Here's here. Mark. I, I am a certified firearms instructor uh, as well. It's not all just uh, a lot of talk, you know. <laughs> Great. Well, I, I guess you are the perfect person to answer this question for me then, Scott. Uh, I recently heard about an assault pistol. What is this uh, terrifying <laughs> yeah. piece infamous, of machinery? <laughs> the infamous assault pistol. Yeah. This uh, this was newly minted. I don't think, uh, you know, I have to do a LexisNexis search on this, Mark, but I think this is the first uh, time in big box media they've trotted out the uh, assault pistol. Uh, one of the mass shootings in California is the, the, first, uh, the first to use it. It's unclear as to what this means. Almost certainly it does not mean a fully automatic firearm, which is what I think that the powers that be and certainly the – the people that are advancing gun control narratives uh, want to give the impression 
uh, that it is that thing. Most likely it's just a handgun with a, a large capacity magazine affixed to it, but we, we don't know yet for sure. Okay, right. So we're not expecting any uh, alien-style guns coming out on the street. Now, uh, Scott, you know, obviously... To, let me just interject here yeah. and say that a true fully automatic handgun or or, or, or what they, they're they envisioning when they think of that assault That's style... That's an Uzi, pistol, right? Okay. It's the well, Uzi 9mm. Uzi is, uh, is actually a carbine. It's a little bit larger than this. It, it's actually... Uh, a Mac 10 or an M11. Uh, those are the, those are the two that are, that kind of are popping up. If you look at like news stories about this and they're just they're throwing up some scary artwork, that's what they'll put up there. And I just wanted to say those firearms, y- you would hope that if somebody came into a dance hall where you were, that somebody had one of those instead of, uh, for instance, uh, just a modern firearm with a high, uh, with a full capacity magazine like a Glock, for instance. And the reason why, Mark, is because it's so unstable with that fully automatic uh, fire. You can't hit a hit a thing with it. It's totally uh, not useful for those purposes. So even though it's scary in movies and scary on the news, if they if they make it out like you know your children's going to be attacked by this thing, it's actually it, w- it would not be a good choice for uh, for somebody who's you know trying to carry out some kind of mass attack. Maybe it's been a bit of a mixed bag this week for the Second Amendment. There's a few uh, cases that I want to get your input on here, Scott. Uh, the first one, and I, I think for me it seems the most significant, is the creation of uh, potentially millions of automatic felons courtesy of the ATF or the B. ATF, as I like to call yes, them, and I know sure. you do too. I'll give them the courtesy of the, uh, the of free... a cool name, yeah. It's bad for... <laughs> you know, when I wrote about this uh, for the site, when the rule initially came down, the estimates were about six million, and I'm seeing now from the Congressional Research Service, I believe the latest high estimate is there are forty million of these in existence, Mark. So potentially, just to be clear, say... we're talking about pistol braces here. Uh, For those who who aren't familiar with it, pistol braces have now been uh, classified essentially as machine guns, I I figure, by the the BATF, right? Well, and pistol braces are a new thing in firearms. Uh, They've come along in the last 10 years in a big way, and it's just a popular way to have uh, a a kind of a modern rifle and a shorter overall platform is what sort of it's turned into. And it's turned into a cool accessory, and, and it's sort of captured the zeitgeist of the gun culture is like the latest cool thing to have. Let's say it is that high estimate. There are 40 million in existence. And let's say that there are enough multiple purchasers of these things that there's only, let's half that number. So that maybe there's only 20 million people for whom yeah. uh, they own this thing. They will be, uh, if if the law is allowed to stay in place, and that's a big if, I think, at this point, Mark, uh, but they will be uh, federal felons. And uh, the law has so many uh, really troublesome aspects to it. One of the things that's come up recently, Mark, I think it's kind of an interesting point of discussion is if so, what the basically what the ATF said in this uh, in this instance is that, whoopsie, we told you that these things weren't short barreled rifles. If you converted them, if you produced one with with a pistol brace, we were we were incorrect about that. And now we're saying that it is a short barreled rifle and commensurate with that designation is a significant regulatory regime and the payment of a $200 federal tax stamp. Well, here's the here's the rub. The ATF does not have the authority to void tax bills for millions of Americans. So if they were, in fact, wrong with that designation, they don't get to say, oh, we're just not going to let you pay. I mean, think about it, right? Yeah. 40 million times 200 
Okay, two hundred dollars. What does that come out to? That's a two a billion. Good, that's a good bit of uh, chunk. Two hundred million. No, it's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of money for you and I. It's a lot of money for the government, maybe. but even for them, the idea that the ATF can just with a, with a wave of their hand. So that doesn't even get into the the Second Amendment aspects of it. Just the rulemaking aspects, Mark. I think there are a lot of reasons why this bill uh, or this rule rather will be tossed aside by the the federal courts and of course some of that may be wishful thinking on my part i think it's a horrible uh, uh thing for america if, if it's allowed to go forward so okay and now i know there is one more story that i know that you uh, you desperately desperately want to discuss scott and that is a noted actor mr alec baldwin not the uh the 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 marvelous Baldwin who uh, appeared in basically every great thing ever made, uh, including Aliens. You know who I'm talking about, that Mr. Baldwin. But Alec Baldwin, the uh, the star and producer of the film Rust, where uh, very sadly a young lady was killed, uh, and now Mr. Baldwin is facing charges. What's the detail? Well, Helena Hutchins is the uh, the deceased uh, cinematographer, I believe, was her title on. Uh... On Rust and uh, yeah, the uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico district attorney. Uh, in it, it's funny because they did it in typical district attorney way, which was you know nobody's above the law in such and such county. You know we're going to go after them and, and and with their kind of uh, patting themselves on the back for their analysis and investigation, they've charged Mr. Baldwin with uh, a manslaughter charge, and I think with the uh, the gun kicker, it's uh, six and a half years or so uh, is what he's facing if convicted. The idea rests on that he was negligent in his handling of the firearm. And I think that there's an actually a really interesting legal story here. If you take the celebrity away from it, which is, can you outsource you, the judgment for the use of something dangerous? And it seems to me, Mark, it makes sense that the law would say yes. And I and and I just think it's helpful if we take it away from the firearm example, because so many Americans do have experience with firearms to so take it to something they don't have experience with, but that's also very dangerous. So if there was a bulldozer in a movie or there was a wrecking ball in a movie and the actor was told, okay, press this button when I say action, that that's going to release the wreck. Are they required to go to wrecking ball school? or to heavy construction equipment driving school and get certified in the operation of a crane or bulldozer? Or would we allow them to put the, their judgment and trust into the, you know, prop master or whatever they're called, uh, the expert on site who knows how a bulldozer works, presumably, and let them assess the risk for pressing that button or not? It seems like you should be able to outsource that risk to, uh, you know, to another in, in a movie production. Unless, of course, it's a method actor, a la Daniel Day-Lewis, who would, <laughs> well, would <you> know, <laughs> indeed go and get a, a wrecking There's, ball operator's license. Yeah, right. Uh, he's the one who learned how to become a tailor, right, uh, or something like that. I believe something along like yeah, those lines. Exactly. Well, just real quick, I, I just want to add that there is a wrinkle to that sort of discussion, which is that Baldwin was a producer on this movie. Hmm. So maybe just just an actor would be able to articulate successfully uh, that argument in court, uh, Mark. but because Baldwin himself was partially responsible for overseeing uh, the production and its risk. Um, he was a, a producer on site. Well, that might put another wrinkle in that, uh, in that theory. Scott DeCasenza, thanks for updating us on the second amendment.
and Hilary is keeping her Spanish language accent through the ordeal. Of course she is. Thanks very much, Scott. And that's just about all we have time for on this week's edition of Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio America Network. I'd like to thank our guests, Lisa K. Donner, Andrew Moran, and show regular Scott D. Casenza, and extend my warmest thanks to you, the listeners, for taking the time to be with us. My final word for this week comes courtesy of Thomas Jefferson, who said, quote, I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them, end quote. For me, though, it's not just the physical that's being squandered, but the mental. It is our minds and our brain power that is being slowly eroded in the name of protecting us. Or to steal a man's labor is one thing, but to steal his mind, well, that may just be beyond the pale. Neither has any particular justification, and yet take from us they do, whether that's the government greedily accumulating the works of our sweat or feeding us a thin gruel of reality in determining what thoughts we're allowed to think and what opinions we're permitted to express. It truly makes one wonder just how much power these fakers, charlatans and chances think they really have. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.